I would like to echo what Donna has said and thank everyone who participated in the uh, Santa Parade yesterday. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, we are uh, doing in the midst of a Christmas outreach campaign, as we're calling it, and we have several events going on. And yesterday was the Santa Parade, which was one of our uh, big events to connect with the community. And there were so many people. Uh, so many of you came out to help in the morning prepare hot cider and then to transport it out to the parade route and then to walk along and hand out cider in cups and then people were in the parade and we even had students who were in the marching band. It was just such a wonderful day. If you were part of the day in any way yesterday, even if you were a visitor on the parade route, would you raise your hand? How many of you were out yesterday? Awesome. Wonderful. I mean, uh, somebody said half the community was in the parade and half the community was watching the parade. So between those who were participating and those who were watching, I think we were all out yesterday. It was just a wonderful day. There were so many people. It was just fun to watch the reactions on their faces as we handed them a cup of cider. Uh, There were several people that said, you know, how much? And we're like, oh, no, no, it's free. You know, compliments of Faith Covenant Church. And they're like, oh, okay. And then you, you had other people who, who would take the cup and they would look at it. And then one woman read the cup and she goes, oh, Jingle Jam, that's perfect. I've been looking for something to take my daughter to. And I was like, oh, great, it's working. So again, just a hearty thank you to all of you who are stepping up and participating. I was wanting to go back and count the number of names of you all who have signed up and all the different teams that we have, and I, I haven't had a chance to do that, but I think we've got you know several hundred people who are involved in Christmas this year, and it, what a special time it is, not only for our community, but hopefully for the community around us as well. And I'd want to encourage you to come out and support Jingle Jam this next weekend and invite people to come, because I think God is alive and well, and he's doing some amazing things. We want to invite as many people during this Christmas season to come to Faith Covenant Church or to encourage them to go to any church, really, to discover the hope of Christmas. Because people are searching in their lives. People are searching in our culture. They're searching for meaning and hope and fulfillment in life. Especially at Christmas time, when this is a season of anticipation and hope for new things and gifts under the tree and the things that might be coming in our lives that we are hoping for in this life or in the next, we are reminded in the Christmas season that life is really a search for discovery and fulfillment. From the time that our son Lucas was really little, he would uh, put on my shoes, you know, and put on a a shirt or a coat and walk around and pretend to be a little adult. Or he would want to try on, you know, Tammy's shoes and see what it was like to walk in high heels. Or he'd get into our stuff in the bathroom and play with our our things. I mean, how many of you seen, you know, kids who want to try on mommy's makeup and put on her jewelry? Uh, Kids love to imitate their parents. And, and as, as we grow, we learn that kids learn and grow from imitating who are the people around them. We learn in the context of our families what it means to, to be human in these relationships. There was a mother who took her little boy shopping for Christmas, and they were out, you know, all day hitting all the stores, shopping all the sales, and uh, he was, you know, really patient, and he, you know, was a trooper through the whole day, and it was near the end of the day, and they were checking out, and one of the stores was giving out lollipops to all the kids who came through, and so the clerk handed the boy a lollipop, and of course the mom, being conscientious and wanting her son to have good manners, kind of nudged him and said, what do you say? And he thought a minute, and he said, charge it. (laughs) 
And isn't it true that as much as children enjoy imitating their parents, all of us learn through imitating those around us. We learn and we grow and we understand who we are and what it means to be human through the community of relationships that God has given us. And sometimes uh, we teach our children many things by training them and educating them, but most of the human traits and skills and patterns of life that we develop really come by observing and assimilating and then replicating those in our own lives. A lot of this learning happens subconsciously. We're not even aware that we're learning. We're not even aware that we're absorbing these patterns of living, and yet we do, and then we live them out in our own lives. Last week we introduced that life is a process of searches, and there are many searches where we're always kind of looking for meaning and fulfillment in our lives, and I'd just like to go back and show you, uh, we had four different foundational life searches that we said, if we look to scripture, we can understand that, that there are these foundational things that we're looking for meaning and hope in, and the first one is really community, and out of community, as we're saying, we discover a sense of who we are and our identity, and, and that our identity then leads to meaningful things for us to do. And as we find things to contribute to the world, to make a difference in the world around us, we feel like life has value. And then for those of us who, who get on to, to purpose, we find that the things that we get good at doing, God kind of brings together to say, gosh, there's, there's something only that unique that you can do in the world. This is kind of your calling, your purpose for being here. And as we have fulfillment in these four areas of life, we have hope for the future. Because life is fulfilling and life has meaning and purpose. And even when times get tough, even when life challenges us in ways that we didn't expect, we can still have hope because we believe that God is working in these areas of our life. And we talked a little bit about the value of community and how important it is for us as a church to be the kind of community where people can find connectedness and belonging, and they can have that experience of learning new ways of living life in the ways that God had intended. You know, no one of these searches stands alone. At any given point in time, we're, we're all kind of looking in each of them. But as we discover fulfillment in each of these foundational life searches, we discover that God has gifts that he wants to give us. And that is really the meaning of Christmas, is that through his son, Jesus Christ, he has given us new, a new sense of community as church. And out of that, he wants us to have a new sense of identity in him. That's why in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, he says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. That was what Greg talked about in the song that we sang, is that because we have Jesus in our lives, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul that, that God has good things to give us in the midst of all the ups and downs in our life. Our source of confidence and hope is not that everything is always going to get better, but that no matter what we go through, God is always with us. Today we look a little bit at the understanding that our search for identity really flows out of our story in community. As we live out our lives in relationship to God and with those around us, we discover unique personality traits, individual abilities and skills that we develop, and personal, personal passions and likes and dislikes uh, for different activities and concerns for different issues and causes and spiritual gifts from God that are uniquely crafted for us to experience and to use. And as we grow in our understanding of ourselves through relationship with God and other people, we discover that we have our own unique shape that God has given us to be the person that only we can be. 
And this really is a biblical understanding because it comes out of this understanding that the heart of God created each one of us with passion and uniqueness. We can go all the way back to uh, Psalm 139. And the psalmist there is, is talking about his relationship with God and, and he's recognizing that, that God has created him in a, in a very unique and special way. In verse 13, he, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What an amazing reality that we discover the God who created the universe is a God who created each one of us in love. Before we were even formed in our mother's womb, he had us in mind. He had our unique personality, our unique shape, the very person he would design us to be and the kinds of things that he would design us to do, he had in mind before we even came into this world. And what we learn as we discover more about this God who created the world in love is that, that God himself exists in community. We learn through Jesus Christ that God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit exist together in a holy trinity of love. And it is that trinity of love, that community of God, that is the God who created you and me and the universe. At our staff meeting this last week, we, we, we go around each week and take turns uh, giving the devotional for a staff meeting. And, and, and Cindy gave the devotional, and she read a portion of a devotion from Ann Voskamp, The Greatest Gift. And, and it, it just captured this idea so well, I just wanted to share it with you as well. Ann, Ann Voskamp, in, in her devotional for Christmas, says, You were formed by a huddle of hearts. Let us make human beings in our own image, God said. The authority of God made all of creation, but it was the affection of God that made all of God's children. The three persons of the Trinity, Father, God, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, gathered close, to together, gathered close together to imagine you. And God in three persons, uncontainable affection, knelt down and kissed warm life into you with the breath of his love. You see, I think as we, as we look at Scripture and we understand what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ, we understand that God is a God of love and a God of mercy, and that out of His love and mercy, He wants us to understand that He, he has a, a passion for us and a purpose for our lives. But too often, the challenge is that our identity gets squeezed by our desire and our need for fulfillment in some of these other areas in our lives. We feel pressure from who other people want us to be. And often as we grow up in relationships of dysfunction rather than healthy functioning, we find that, that we become dependent on needing other people to give us approval and to tell us that we're okay and that we're worthwhile. And if we don't get that from the people who love us the most, then we, we go out searching for validation and fulfillment from somewhere, from some, some other relationships that will somehow help us to understand that, that we have meaning and value as human beings. And, and too often, those kinds of relationships lead to to, to what uh, psychologists understand as codependent relationships. 
You see, the, the goal of community is to, to help us grow and develop to become independent people who have a solid sense of ourselves and identity to go out and make a difference in the world. But too often, our experiences of community and our brokenness and our fallenness and the sinfulness of humanity is that we become dependent on unhealthy relationships to try and find our value there. And we don't fully grow to understand our uniqueness and our value in God's eyes. And we become dependent on those relationships in an unhealthy way. Or we might go in the opposite extreme and we might skip right on to, to meaning and look for value in what we do with our lives. How many of us, be, if we were asked to define, you know, who are you? How, how do you define yourself as a person would go to say, well, I, I'm a mother, I'm a father, I, I'm a CEO, I, I, I'm an engineer, I'm a teacher. We, we, we often go really quickly to the things that we do to help give us a sense of who we are. But you see, that also then begins to squeeze our identity because we have all of these expectations for what it means to perform in those areas of our lives. The roles that we fulfill in community and in the world are roles that come with expectations for performance and success. And if we don't have a solid sense of who we are in God first, those pressures of what we do with our lives will begin to squeeze that identity and we begin to lose hope that maybe we are people that have value, that we are people that have something of worth that other people desire in and of ourselves, apart from what we can do for them. You see, these roles in our lives should develop out of who we are rather than define our identity. If we get them backwards, we, we go into life with our priorities upside down. I know this was a, a personal challenge for me growing up. For, for those of you who are getting to know my story a little bit, you know that I grew up as a pastor's kid, and my dad was a missionary kid, and so ministry and church life was in our family. And so growing up in that kind of a community, as I tried to figure out, well, who am I in the midst of this, and what is God calling me to do with my life, of course, I felt all of this pressure to to be in ministry and so I had to question is my identity to be a pastor or is that just because that's the kind of family I've grown up in and then even as I felt yes God I believe God is calling me into ministry those those early years of working in church and and figuring out what it meant for me to be a pastor and to be in a church well were fraught with great difficulty and great self-doubt because I never really fully understood how my identity was unique in God's love for me, apart from what I felt like I was supposed to do as being part of this ministry family. And even today, those kinds of searches are continuing in my life. We don't graduate from these searches and move on. We come back to them over and over again. And so, so today you could say, can we put the, the graphic back up? Whoop! there's a stool there. It, today... I'm coming into a new community and I'm developing new relationships. And so, and so now I, I, I'm feeling pressure from wh what are your expectations of me? And you might be feeling some pressure too. You know, well, what are, what are Kurt's expectations of us? We have a new pastor and he, he's a, a leader and, and you know, he's on the platform. What, what are his expectations of us? And so we're developing these new relationships and we're trying to figure out what is this going, how is this going to affect our community? And then we're also talking about what are we going to go do as a church? What is God calling us to, to, to do in the world? And how are we going to reach people for Christ? And, and in the midst of that, if we don't pause long enough to say, 
who are we individually and who is, how is God wanting to, to grow and develop our identity in Christ first, we could get squeezed by the pressures of relationship and the pressures of performance and miss the fact that God is calling us to experience a whole new identity in Him. And whether you've walked with Jesus all your life or you're here today maybe just checking God out for the first time or for the first time in a long time, Every day, God has a new insight, a new understanding, a greater perspective on who he's created us to be. And he invites us every day to open ourselves to a new understanding of who we are in him. Basically, our identity is first and foremost defined by whose we are. We discover that God, who God wants us to be, and that becomes even more profound than whoever we think we are. And that's why I think Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just read the larger context of where he says that in chapter 4. Reading verses, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, this word that the Bible uses and Paul talks about here as workmanship, it, it, really, it really has the sense more of craftsmanship. We are God's craftsmanship. We're his handiwork. We are God's artwork, might even be more appropriate. We are each uniquely designed and sculpted to be a beautiful work of art in God's eyes. And yet too often our experiences of life in this world are, are that we, are, we feel marred and stained and scarred by our experiences of life. And we begin to doubt and question the, the beauty and the, and the majesty of, of who God has designed us to be. And as we begin to, to lose a sense of our value as, as God's workmanship, as God's artwork, as God's beautiful creation, we begin to doubt our own value to those around us and our own value to the world that God has placed us in. And, and we, we become less interested in maybe stepping out and taking risks to, to serve other people and to believe that we can make a difference. And you see, as, as we have these negative experiences, our experiences of community and relationship and even our, our failures in work and life can become obstacles to our growth and development. See, community is supposed to be a platform that launches us into the future, but too often because we have broken and sinful relationships in this world, they become obstacles that hold us back and they sow seeds of doubt and self-loathing and, and, and we become depressed and we despair of being able to be all that we dreamed of being. 
How many, how many people have you met that get to their 40s or their 50s or even into their 60s and they've, they've lived a life where, where, where they've never quite gone for the golden ring? They, they've settled that this is the best that life is going to be and so I guess I just have to put my head down and do the best that I can. You see, life will wear you down, but that is not God's plan. That is not God's desire. God desires that we have a community and we have an identity that gives us an inspiration and a hope that no matter what age we are at, God has a plan for us to make a difference in the world, to make a difference in the lives of those around us, and that he has uniquely sculpted and crafted us to do the things that only we can do. But how do, we, how do we get that hope back? How do we get that inspiration back if it, if it has been lost, if it, if it has been beat out of us by life? Paul's saying here in Ephesians that life in Christ becomes the new environment that shapes and defines who we are. We have a new identity available to us because of what God has done through his son Jesus Christ. You see, the question is not whether or not we have an identity, but whose identity will define us. Will the world's identity define us and the mold that they try and put us in? Or will we allow the message of God's love and the the presence and power of His Spirit to make all things new become our new identity? So that no matter what stage of life we're in, we can step out in a whole new way to experience life and growth through the power of His Spirit. You see, through the Spirit, we are brought into this relationship with Christ. We're brought, in fact, beyond, it's more than just relationship. The Bible talks about it. We are brought into unity with Christ. We are, our life is merged with the life of God in Christ. And if the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead has been merged into our life, has been merged into our spirit, has become a part of our identity, man, the whole world is our oyster. Our growth, our possibility becomes limitless because God is the God who has the creative power of the universe to make all things new, to bring life out of death. And no matter what our scars, no matter what our wounds, all we have to do is come and touch the hem of Jesus' robe and and we'll be healed. There's a new order of humanity, the Bible says, that has become born into the world through the birth and the death the life of Jesus Christ. Through his life, death, and resurrection, he became one with humanity and took on the consequences of of our own sin and brokenness so that as we become one with him, we are baptized into the pattern of death and resurrection that makes all things new, that we can live out in our lives every day, every moment. In this way, Christianity isn't a religion of ideas. Christianity isn't a religion of propositions and philosophies that we argue and debate to see if we can prove what's true. Christianity is a religion of participation, of involvement, of fellowship. It's a religion of community because it comes from the God who is in himself a God of community. His identity is to be community. And he invites us to participate and experience that together. See, God's gift of life is not only for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of the whole world. And his glory shines through us as we begin to live out and experience this new kind of community and discover a whole new identity in him. As the life of God becomes manifest in us, we receive power to overcome 
all of the challenges of life, all of the brokenness of ex we've experienced, and to invite others to experience that as well. I don't know why you have come today. I don't know where God has been working in your heart or in your soul or in your life. But I do know that all of us, at some level, if we're, if we're in, the, in, in that deeply honest and totally transparent place, struggle with, with the understanding of who we are and whether we have value to those around us, whether God even values us. And maybe it's possible that God is talking to you in this Christmas season. Maybe God is talking to you this morning, wanting you to know that no matter what your experiences have been in the past, no matter how many people have done you wrong, no matter the scars or, 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 or the, the vandalism that has been done to, to the sculpture that God has intended you to be, He desires to make you new. And this morning, that invitation is simply to come and to receive the gift of His grace and His mercy and His love and to enter back into that relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, this morning. That's all he says it takes. It is by grace that we have been saved. It's not by anything that we have to do. It's by what God has already done. He's already made the way. He's already opened the door. He's already crafted the, the inspiration and the identity for you to step into. Yes, it's a process, and, and God walks with us on the journey. But every process, every journey starts with the first step of saying, yes, I will enter into this journey with you. In a few moments, we're going to participate in Holy Communion. And that's really what Holy Communion is all about. When Jesus came and he was with his disciples, he wanted them to know that what was about to happen to him was going to be tragic and it was going to be scary and it was going to fill them with doubt and fear and anxiety. And, and, and did we get this right? Who are we, these poor Hebrew fishermen, to believe that we were going to sit on the right and left hand of the throne of God in glory. Because Jesus knew that his body was going to be broken. That his identity was going to be marred and slashed and cut and bruised. And that the Messiah, who was, who was to be God's crowning achievement of his creation, was going to die a horrible death of a criminal on a cross. And he wanted them to know that as they witnessed this, as they saw this, as they experienced this, that it was him saying, I know that this is what your experience of life is like. That this world will rip your heart out and stomp on it. But God's heart is greater. Fear not, Jesus said, because I have overcome the world. And so this morning, as we come to this holy table, I want to invite you to come knowing that God is inviting you to open yourself to a whole new journey with Him, to understand who you are in His eyes. And that together as community, we are going to come around each other, not only today, but in the season ahead, to encourage one another, to support one another, because none of us can go through that journey alone. It's a, it's a frightful, scary thing to look inward at ourselves and to be honest, to say, yeah, there's some brokenness. There's some places that I need healing. There's some things that I need to work on in order to step into that new life. But we have an opportunity to be the kind of family, to be a place where, God, where people can find belonging and meaning 
and hope. And as we do that, I believe that we will discover the hope of Christmas this year. Donna, would you join me as we invite people to participate in this feast? Let us recall that on that night when Jesus was betrayed, gathered in that upper room with his disciples, he took the bread from the table and he gave thanks and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup also. And he said, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, remember me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are the cup of salvation. We give thanks to you for your willingness, for your sacrifice, willing to come into this dark and broken world, into the dark and broken places in all of our lives, to come and to be the light to be the hope, to be the promise, so that we might have a new identity with you, in you. And so we say this day, come Lord Jesus, be born anew in our hearts, in our lives. Come Lord Jesus, and we offer this prayer with your words that you taught your disciples, our Father, who art Lord in heaven, heaven. Hallowed, hallowed be thy, thy name. name, thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.